Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As hospitals across the country face staffing shortages, ward closures, and increasing wait times, several premiers had a summit this week with a federal minister to address health care reform. Premiers from Ontario, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and PEI sat down with the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister to discuss possible solutions. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Brian Passafume joins me to discuss some of the main issues raised at the summit, what the premiers want to see from the feds, and what the next steps are to address the problems. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Brian, big news on the healthcare front this week, nationally speaking, well, sort of nationally speaking, there was a big meeting of premiers and the federal intergovernmental affairs minister talking about healthcare, which is obviously we've just come through two years of a two plus years of a pandemic. Healthcare is a big issue in Canada right now. What was the point of this summit? Well, this summit took place over the weekend. It was uh, consisted of uh, Ontario Premier Doug Ford, New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higgs, Nova Scotia Premier Tim Houston, and PEI Premier Dennis King. The four of them got together with uh, Governmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc in Moncton, and they pretty much talked healthcare. They talked a lot of the, they showed a lot of the issues that uh, their provinces have been experiencing. Ontario is probably by sheer scale is, is, is probably experiencing kind of the, the, the larger effects, but it really, the, um, the staffing issues at hospitals are being felt right across the country from, from big cities down to some of the smallest rural community uh, health centers. Normally there is a national meeting of all the premiers, the council of the federation where they discuss issues and they hope to have an audience with federal ministers. So how did this kind of half a summit of the federation, half a council of the federation come together? Yeah, this was a very impromptu meeting. It obviously wasn't uh, like a, like a formal, um, you know, meeting of the premiers that you that you see every so often. Those, those those take a long time to organize. Those have a lot of moving parts to them that that require uh, so, sort of some time to put together. This was more of an impromptu thing because this is uh, an issue that uh, you know I think anybody, particularly anybody who's had to go to the emergency room over the past little bit, is uh, would would agree this is, is a very very urgent need. So I think that this is probably the best they could do at the, at the point that. To, put it together. A lot of people were sort of wondering, you know, like exactly the same question you're asking, like, where are the rest of the premiers? Where's the Quebec premier? Where's the Newfoundland premier? So I think that they were more interested in sort of trying to get some common ground and, and try to get some sort of movement towards solutions than, uh, you know, spending most of the time organizing a, a large summit of premiers across the country. So what did we get out of this meeting? Obviously, you can't sign a new healthcare deal without all the provinces at the table. You can't, you know, the federal intergovernmental affairs minister, which is a mouthful. I'm going to, you know, Dominic LeBlanc can't sign off on anything on behalf of the government. So I, I assume it's more a discussion about, you know, what the systems may need or what some pressure points may be in, in various provinces. What did we get out of this summit? 
This was a meeting of the minds. It wasn't, I don't think anybody, including the premiers, went into this thinking that they were going to have any sort of a firm policy coming out of it because you just can't have that with this kind of a meeting. But I think at the very least, you have some understanding between the premiers that this isn't a local problem. This is a problem being felt uh, by everybody. And, I, and I, I think the biggest issue that came out of it was the fact that nothing could be done without firm help from the federal government. As I mentioned, it was the interprovincial relations minister that was there instead of the health minister. That could just be, he was probably the, the best person available at this point. Who knows what the federal health minister's up to at the, you know, the end of August, less than a month before the house uh, reconvenes. So most likely somewhere in fishing or on a vacation somewhere. You know, I think this is definitely a sign of further things to come. I think it's, it's definitely a, a very big gesture that someone from the federal government was even there. Uh, yeah, I think this is definitely sort of a, a first a first conversation in a larger discussion that needs to happen on not only what the the problems are with the health care system, but you know the best way to go about fixing it. Because as as uh, Premier Ford said during the press conference yesterday, he said, you know, the, the current status quo, it's just not sustainable. When we talk about, you know, not being able to really address the problem without the feds being a key part of it, is it a sense of more money, an agreement that allows, you know, maybe less strings attached to some of the money that comes in from the federal government? Is it other tax levy or what kind of help do the provinces want? Because obviously health is a provincial jurisdiction and they want to run their health systems as they see fit. But there's a federal role to be played here. Do we have a sense of what Doug Ford wants or what Blaine Higgs wants from the federal government? I think the big unifying factor here, and I, th I think this is something that everybody at all points, uh, even the opposition parties can agree on, is that and the, the Ontario NDP made this clear in the press release that they released yesterday after the meeting, was that you know, everybody agrees that, that more money needs to come from the federal government. Federal transfer payments, uh, health transfer payments need to increase. Provinces have been asked to do a lot with less over the past little bit. And I think that uh, everything's just kind of come to a uh, kind of a, a breaking point, you know. And the, the other aspect of this, too, is that when it comes down to, you know, everybody agrees that, that you know, throwing money at the problem will, will definitely be a good thing. But at the same time, you've got issues of policy that no one's ever going to agree on. You know, you can you get a hundred different questions and you get a hundred different answers. I think that it's going to be the biggest challenge going forward is the same challenge that all governments have, have have come to to deal with as a matter of policy and particularly when you've got governments changing over and, and new new priorities and, and, and new directions and new ideologies and and, and it's it's kind of a, a consequence of how democracy works these days is that you know the democracy gets in the way of progress when it comes to uh, you know governments changing physically and, and just even changing priorities internally. So that's the biggest challenge I think any any healthcare reform is going to face, particularly with some of the solutions being posed, including increasing the reliance on, on private clinics. I know you're in Ontario, I'm in Alberta. There are different issues at play in, in the health systems in each province. What are some of the issues that we're seeing kind of across the country? Where are some of the pinch points? Is it in emergency care? Is it in the pandemic showed us how lacking our ICU system is, for example, are there seniors care issues, you know, acute care beds for, for inpatients? Where are some of the problems that we're seeing right now? 
you and I used to be colleagues. I, I, you know, you and I used to to work together at, uh, you know, the Calgary sun and and I've lived and worked in in Alberta for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And, and I I think one of the the biggest things I learned about uh, living and working in Alberta and particularly covering the news out there is that there's, there's so many different issues and problems facing different parts of Canada In in rural Alberta, for example, there's a large issue with uh, people getting family doctors or even convincing doctors to, to hang a shingle and set up their practice in, in rural parts of Canada, particularly in Alberta. A lot of towns are, are doing things like buying houses and paying off student loans and things like that. It's, it's a matter of staffing. And I think that how the staffing issues impact each part of Canada is different, but it really comes down to the same same issue. Like for example, in Airdrie, just north of Calgary and, and the, the, the hospital in South Calgary, you know, they've closed their, they've closed their ERs at 24 hour service. You know, if, if you need to go to an emergency room and you go to those hospitals after 8 p.m., you're not going to be able to get seen. In smaller rural areas, they've had to close hospitals completely. In, in Fort Saskatchewan, for example, they had to close the obstetrics lab in their hospital. <laughs> kind of a amusing anecdote in, in rural Saskatchewan, uh, there's a sign on the, uh, the the door in Kamsack, Saskatchewan, which is a tiny town in the eastern part of the province, saying, our ER is closed, go 40 kilometers west to Kenora. And once you get to the Kenora hospital, you see a sign saying, no, we're closed, go to Camsack. So you got people, you know, <laughs> going back and forth and it's sort of like, it's it's a terrible situation. I think that you've got clinics being closed down. You've got uh, surgeries being canceled. You, you got entire parts of the healthcare system being completely shut down because they just don't have the people. We'll be right back. In Ontario, there's been talk of the idea of using private clinics to lessen the strain on hospital surgical units. I know that's something that's done in Alberta, where you can go get your cataract surgery done at a private clinic. In Saskatchewan, there's talk of expanding use of private clinics to lessen the strain on on hospital surgical units. What's the mood in Ontario when it comes to some of these solutions? It's a very tricky topic for a lot of people, particularly people who who, who tend to, to to lean a little to a little left politically when they vote. The minute you start talking about things like that, then people instantly say things like two tier healthcare and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that that is a legitimate point. You know, how much is it the government's responsibility to fund private enterprise and private clinics? Um, private clinics, like like you mentioned, exist in the Canadian healthcare scape, and what they're talking about doing in Ontario, for example, is you know, letting some of these private clinics these private surgical clinics help take the load off and help uh, re- you know reduce the wait times and, and make more surgical suites available for more patients this would be all covered by ontario healthcare but uh, yeah. you know it's, it's a lot of logistics to to be worked out and 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 a lot of political fright when it comes to uh, you know anything that even just may closely smell like two tier healthcare people are going to get their backs up Mm-hmm. And I even understand there's the question of staffing in hospitals and you're you're seeing a lot of pinch points due to staffing after two years of health crisis, you may see a health system facing a lot of burnout among staff, but there's also a concern about the ability to attract and bring in healthcare staff. I can't remember if it was Premier Houston or if it was Premier Higgs who was talking about the need for the federal government to get working on, you know, foreign trained health staff and and accepting foreign credentials. Where does that fit in with this whole look at the health system? 
it's a bit of a personal point to me because my wife is from the Philippines and, and she's a registered nurse in the Philippines. But here in Canada, that all means nothing. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything that she has any sort of qualifications. If she wanted to be a nurse in Canada, she'd just have to go back to school as a mature student as if someone just decided to take up the profession. And as a consequence, you have a lot of extremely qualified people here in Canada, a lot of qualified nurses, a lot of qualified medical professionals working in daycares, working at McDonald's, working at Sobeys, doing work that it really is a waste of their talents. Premier Houston, Nova Scotia yesterday was, was clearly said that it's something that, uh, that really needs to be looked at and discussions need to take place. And it's something that really should happen sooner or later. You know, there's questions about the standards of medical training in other countries. Well, you know, formulate some sort of a standardized test, you know, instead of forcing qualified people to go back to school and to redo their education, test them to see if they have those core abilities. And if they do put them to work, mm -hmm. there's absolutely no reason why a qualified nurse needs to work at a daycare when they could be there on the front lines happily doing their part to uh, to improve the health of, uh, of of their fellow citizens in their new home. Like it's, it's just, it's a no brainer that I think that uh, should have been dealt with years ago. One of the other issues that has come up in healthcare is the notion of wages. Are we compensating the people who care for us when we're at our worst and also through some of the worst circumstances that the healthcare system has had to handle over the last couple of years? And especially in Ontario, there's a lot of concern that the province's own law has led to staff turnover and issues around uh, limiting wages. What can you tell me about that back and forth between the government and the opposition relating to health policy and turnover and wages? Yeah. And like, like I mentioned before, issues of policy are something that, uh, you know, all sides can never agree on. And, and unfortunately people just aren't willing to make uh, the necessary compromises to make things like democracy work. But it's no secret. A large, uh, a large reason why we're in this situation is that people are leaving the profession. People are going to other jurisdictions. You know, a nurse making, you know, 60, 70 grand here in Ontario could be making twice that in the States. There's an enormous brain drain. It has been for years, but particularly recently, there's an enormous brain drain, medical brain drain in, in Canada right now with people just going to the US for better wages and better work. And it's definitely a no-brainer that, uh, you know, to giving people a reason to stick around. You know, Bill 24 in Ontario is uh, behind a lot of the uh, turnover, the critics say. You know, as of right now, uh, Ontario Health Minister Sylvia Jones, you know, she, she's saying that's a conversation for another day. It's something that she's not interested in entertaining right now. And uh, that's getting the backs up of a lot of people who say that, you know, just giving nurses a better wage is, uh, you know, a key to helping people consider sticking around instead of uh, running for greener pastors. I know you mentioned earlier that this summit between the four premiers and the federal minister was seen as a, a first step or, a, you know, a good start. What's next? Is it, you know, another meeting with all the premiers and territorial leaders at the table? Is it more smaller meetings, more working groups? What, what do we hope to see next on this front? I think a lot of people are hoping to see some concrete moves. There's a lot of programs on right now. Like, for example, Ontario is going to temporarily cover the exam application and registration fees for internationally trained and retired nurses, which we'll say it went to $1,500, but it really doesn't, you know, eliminate the, the core issue of, of, of qualifications. But unfortunately, as all these discussions and summits are taking place, you've still got people dying in hospitals. You've got people not able to 
give birth in their home community and instead have to deal with finding whatever maternity hospital is open for people. And I, I think that it's one of those issues you're only vaguely aware of until you're actually, you know, stuck in it. Like, you know, you don't really care about having to wait in line for a passport until you're having to, you know, set up a lawn chair outside at three in the morning outside of the uh, Service Canada office. Same thing with healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, it's unless you're stuck in that ER for 20, 25 hours, it's, it's something that will impact everybody eventually. And it's a problem that's going to get a lot worse before it gets better unless people just sort of put aside their differences and, and learn how to compromise. On that, we'll leave it there. Brian, thanks for your time. Anytime. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Steam music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Brian Passifume. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.